Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Welcome to the Illuminated Word. My name is Devin Morris. Today our passage comes from the book of Exodus in chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. We're going to read our Scripture, talk about a little background, make some application. It's going to be a good time. Let's dig into it. So here we go. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you or destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is, man, I feel like I say this about every passage I get. This is a good passage. <laughs> I haven't been able to do a, an Old Testament passage in a while either, so this is nice. Um, so let's just kind of walk through maybe some of the background, some of the language, which I think is important. And there's, you know, right in front of us, this is huge application, even though this isn't directed towards us. This is de- most definitely written, you know, to the Hebrews. Uh, this is, uh, you know, in direct context, it's Adam speaking to the Israelites and how they need to respond during this last plague that God is going to bring upon Egypt for not letting his uh, people go. And so along with this comes a direct command on how to protect themselves from the coming destroyer. So that's the immediate context. Later on, this is just going to be a text that later generations will be able to look back on and read and remember and recognize what God has done for them and their people. So this is something we should look back on to remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God. That's where our faith comes from, knowing that God has acted in these kinds of ways throughout history. So let's go through some of these. So when it talks about the first month, the head of the months, naturally they're working on a lunar calendar, not the same type we use. So their first month is not January. It's kind of somewhere between March and April-ish. Um Man, I'm going to have to hit some highlights because there's a lot to dig into here. So at this uh, first month, uh, why they do it on the 10th day isn't specified. Uh, Why they uh, choose this lamb on the 10th day and not 
sacrifice it until the 14th isn't expounded upon, but there is some, for some reason, a delay here. There is also the idea that they have to do it in between, um, they have to do it at twilight, which is literally between the two evenings or between the two settings. And, and that's just trying to give you kind of a, a, a time, a very specific time this is supposed to be done. So going back though, who is Moses addressing? He's addressing the congregation. Well, in Old Testament literature, this can refer to the whole nation, the congregation of Israel. It can refer to simply all the males. Normally that's in a military setting. Or it can refer to all the national representatives. Uh, and that's probably how it, how it happens. You know, Moses and Aaron get this message. They pass it on to the leaders. The leaders go back to their peoples, and they and they tell them how this is going to, to operate. So this is also the first time this word is used. So this word that conceptualizes the idea of congregation or community, the first time it's being used is here for the Hebrews as they gather to take of the Passover supper. Uh, really cool imagery we got going on here that that directly flows into our New Testament meanings as well. There's a pretty interesting phrase in in verse 4 that that we would translate as, um, let me pull it up again, Um, that uh, according to the number of persons, and I know that just seems like the most random phrase to pick out here, but it's used in Numbers 31 to refer to a tax that was raised from the fighting men of Israel's army. It was supposed to be given in kind of the, like the form of a tribute. Um, they both come from an Akkadian word, just meaning it's, it's what's due you. It's what's supposed to be brought for you. This is what the, the congregation comes and collects together and gives is this, is this lamb. They're offering it together. And, and within this same verse where we get the word eat uh, several times now, and, and throughout the rest of the chapter, it's going to be repeated 18 times. Uh, it's the idea that I, I, one commentator, Victor Hamilton, in his commentary said, uh, because this word eat is used the most in the whole book, is, is used right here. Actually, if you look at all of the Old Testament, it's the, the word is condensed in this chapter more than any other. It's here in Genesis 3. I know, really weird. But here, dinner is so... I say dinner. <laughs> Uh, that's what's happening. They're eating. Uh, dinner is not something that's separate from their worship. It's not something that is um, that's set aside and, and, and you worship and then eat. It's like dinner is an integral part of their worship. It's an integral part of their their customs and their rituals and their 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 sacrificial methods of of bringing uh, praise and giving their dues to God. Is their meals. Meal time is a is a has a special place in in Jewish worship. Verse five goes on to talk about what this sacrificial lamb should look like, and you can't not think of First Peter chapter one, where it says, "You were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect." Man, that I mean, Peter is trying to get you to think about Exodus chapter twelve when he's referring to Christ's sacrifice for us. And now the what this sacrifice looked like was not a pretty thing. The word slaughter, you have a, an Old Testament scholar who tries to argue that the term really does mean slit the throat. And, and that's appropriate. I think that fits with what you read throughout um, the rest of the Old Testament. 
The word is this the same word that's used in the binding of Isaac in Genesis chapter 22. That's what Abraham intends to do. It's also used in uh, mass to refer to mass killings as well. Numbers 14 and Judges, First and Second Kings. That word is used that way. So it's it's a gruesome death. That is a man. You are you're slitting the throat of this sacrificial lamb. It is its blood is being poured out. It's 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 not out of anger. It's very intentional. It is a killing of this lamb. I'm going to skip down a bit uh, because I'd like to kind of get into some of our application and, and to me where this really shines, where this really comes through, that it's talking about uh, what we can take to apply to Christ is yes, this idea of the sacrificial lamb is the door is the blood on the doorposts and what this signifies. Uh, but first, when when they do this, when they're about to do it, one of the things he says is is fasten your belt in verse eleven, and your sandals, and and, and the the Hebrew term there is gird your loins, which is one you hear every so often. It's even over in the New Testament, where Jesus sends out his disciples. They are to gird their loins. Paul says the same thing in his letters. Uh, uses it in reference to. Um, the armor of God. So you have this phrase being used a lot in the Old Testament. It can only refer to three things: it's setting out on a journey, you're beginning to run. That's how it's used in the Book of Kings, and engaging in battle and spiritual warfare, as it is in Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And uh, it's kind of hard not to see that here, that spiritual warfare takes place. I mean, what the Israelites are really about to go through looks like warfare. Someone coming through and, and killing those who do not have the blood on their doorposts. In verse 13, I think is, man, it's it's powerful here. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. Notice it's not a sign for God, necessarily. It's not something that God has to see. Um, it, it's something for them something that they need it's a sign for them it's kind of a reminder that it's not their hebrewness it's not the fact they are you know pulled out of egypt that they're just now always going to be in this saved state though there is there is a unique place that they have to be in and that is under the blood it is in the doorposts it's within this house that the blood covers and man, if that is not a strong imagery of where we have to be in relation to Christ, we have to be in the blood in order to be saved from the destroyer. It's really interesting that the destroyer kind of has the same parallelism in in this Exodus 12 that angel does to Yahweh in Exodus chapter 3. Yahweh and angel is used in the same way in Exodus 3, 1-7 as it is here of Yahweh and the destroyer. The destroyer is not a separate entity. It is Yahweh. He is the only one who can destroy. And so there is this um, protection that they receive by being in the blood from God's wrath being poured out. Um, very, very um, directly related to... Um, to our, uh, us being saved in Christ. And that is the way that we avoid the wrath of God in the coming judgment, is, is being in Christ. So many cool things. I really had to pick and choose uh, what we brought out here in today's reading. So I hope you go through, man, pull you out a good commentary or two. 
uh, read along in this. Sometimes that's what we need to, to kind of bring out these highlights in Old Testament Scripture. But I pray that you're looking for ways to love and serve your neighbor in genuine and sincere ways. Peace and love.